rather than looking at silos or functions or roles, if we unpack, create, sell, serve, engage, we will find huge amounts of opportunity to focus on the things that matter, which is the relationships with our customers, it's the relationships with our family members, it's the relationships with our neighbors. Focus on the value and the relevance. And then candidly, I think the most important piece, which is to stop the noise. Hi, and welcome to Conversations with Des. I'm your host, Des Blanchfield. Today, we have the privilege and pleasure of being joined in the studio by Martha Delahenty. Martha is the Chief People Officer at Commvault. Martha, great to have you on the show. Great to be here. Chief People Officer. I have a description here that, uh, which describes it as uh, guide and coach team members to build fantastic life-changing careers and expand employee recruitment, retention, and professional development capabilities. Uh, that, to me, sounds like the ultimate thing to put on the back of a business card, although we probably don't do those these any days. And you had another line which I liked, which was, get them, keep them, build them, and do it to scale. What a fantastic way to describe your, your job role. I'd like to dive into kind of what a day in the life of uh, Martha Delahenty is as Chief People Officer. And then we've got a bunch of really amazing things to chat about with regard to uh, the early phase of you joining Commvault recently and uh, some of the challenges that uh, uh, you've had to face during that and some of the exciting news that's come through the last year or so. But before we do that, I wonder if we could maybe do a little sideways segue and maybe just get a little insight into you personally. Early things that kind of inspired you to go down this path, uh, Chief People Officer type roles. Well, that sounds very impressive. Oftentimes, I think I'm either the chief bottle washer or um, if there's other uh, people, people out there, <laughs> um, <laughs> clean up aisle five is oftentimes the, uh, the bigger uh, challenge within this uh, job. So, uh, but thank you. It's an absolute privilege and honor to be here and a chance to talk a little bit about the world of people, especially in this COVID world, but a little bit about me. Des, I'm a mom of three. I have three amazing um, children, a 13-year-old boy and two girls, 20 and 22. Wow. Uh, I've been married for 23 years and just uh, have loved an amazing career in human resources and I've moved a bunch of times, primarily in the U.S., but I've um, had a global reach. I uh, spent um, the majority of my career um, at Verizon and um, then um, left Verizon after 30 years and have been part of Commvault in the last six months and have just been loving it when I haven't been at times curled up in a ball, sucking my thumb, going, how the heck do we get out of this mess that our world is in? And uh, that, I think, is not uh, all that different from a lot of people who are feeling these days. So no, we're right uh, there, there with you, you. We're right there with you on the entire journey. And uh, I will freely admit that I've been sitting in my sunroom with my book and my Rubik's Cube and just scratching my head thinking, what on earth? Like, what are the chances that, you know, <laughs> it, it's almost like, what was that movie where the meteor hits the planet and then we try and send nuclear uh, bombs that it blow yeah. it up? It's like, you know, of all the things that could possibly align all the negative stars, it's like, which we'll dive into in a minute. When you think about your role and, and your amazing career path and the astounding uh, uh, background you've got there, I mean, was there something at some point that kind of inspired you to go in this, down this whole sort of career path with regard to people uh, in particular? Yeah. And certainly, I guess, tech companies yeah. more than any. Yeah. I, um, you know, I started, I was a, a psychology undergrad major and, of course, came out and didn't have a job. 
and I worked for a couple of years, blessed to work at the National Cancer Institute with the NIH, and I um, wow. loved that job. I uh, as actually a secretary, which I think is such an amazing role um, for anybody. If you ever have the chance to be an executive assistant, take it because you and then read everything that comes across um, the desk of whoever you're supporting or desks thereof. And I went back for my MBA um, and um, in and primarily in finance from that perspective. And what was cool is, Des, I started at a uh, in my undergrad at a women's college, the best women's college um, in the world, Mount Holyoke, and uh, then went to graduate school at the University of Texas at Austin. And you can't have two very, very different um, environments than those two. Learned a lot on both, um, in both of those environments. Um, but the biggest thing that propelled me to go into, at that point, people or HR or personnel or whatever it was, was actually um, a thought that I wanted to be an art therapist. And I went into an internship in art therapy between um, in undergrad. And I absolutely hated it. I hated everything about it. I was at a psychiatric institute, St. Elizabeth Psychiatric Institute. And there wasn't one thing I liked about this, except that the Institute was going through a transition from a federally run Institute to, um, run under, um, uh, DC. And that now fast forward 30 years is called a restructuring. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what that was, but I do know that because I, there was huge amounts of disruption between the doctors and the therapists. Um, I don't think the, 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 um, patients were as aware of it. And I was way more interested in that disruption and how that was impacting the operations than I was the actual art therapy is fantastic. It's unbelievable. I just knew I didn't want to do that. Um, and that was a catalyst. And so I think the way I got into HR was um, from the uh, from an internship that I absolutely hated. And from there, I went in, got my MBA because I knew needed you know need to know a PNL um, in order to do anything in business and know how companies make money. And I've always liked linking um, how you harness the capacity of people into making money. You joined the company at what would have normally been an amazing time in that um, yeah. uh, an amazing new CEO had joined the organization uh, early last year. They had uh, completed a successful acquisition of, of, of an organization called Hedvig. They had a, a, Commvault's had a very successful launch, uh, an amazing product in the uh, SaaS-based data protection and data backup uh, uh, space called Metallic. And, uh, and then a fresh new year in 2020. Uh, and in an ideal world, that would have been the awesome like, you know, start to a, a new journey in your career. Uh, but then along came the pandemic. Normally, we would sort of ask our guests, what's a day in the life of, uh, of XYZ in? But um, I'm keen to kind of get your thoughts on, on kind of what that was like, because that's probably a once in a lifetime, once in a generation experience of having yeah. the perfect organization, the perfect role, great acquisition, fantastic launch of a startup within, within a legacy company. And you get on board and then all of a sudden got these challenges and a few other things that bumped along. I mean, what, what was that like? That must have just been quite a mind-boggling experience, which, which from all intents and purposes, you've absolutely nailed, just so we're really clear about it. You, yeah. you blow, knocked it out of the park. Um, but that must have kind of you know, given you a couple of points in time where it almost knocked the wind out of your sails for a while. Yeah, well, I think I did say, you know, curled up in a ball with my thumb in my mouth, wondering what the next <laughs> step is going to be. 
um, you know, March 1st was the date I started. Uh, then I uh, we remember like it was yesterday where we were, I think it was March 7th or 9th. I can't remember at this point um, the exact date, but we were arguing whether we should encourage people to work from home, recommend people to work from home, think about people working from home. I didn't know anybody. And usually when you have your ecosystem of relationships, right, you can talk to your CFO or talk to your chief revenue officer and, and just, you know, assume that you have that understanding. But when you don't have those relationships, there's just a lot more work to do to build that trust. And then boom, over within a 48 hour period, we were one of, um, we went a hundred percent global remote. We can, I mean, we should be able to do it. We're in a, you know, with the company we're in, but you don't always test your own infrastructure. So we need to make sure that, and, um, then made sure employees were cared for all while um, really not having the relationships with the executive staff that I had always counted on in the past. And I think that was the biggest challenge is um, making these big, bold decisions that you know will have second and third order effects. You just don't know what they are yet. Without those relationships, I think was the, the most challenging part and frankly, the most exciting part because uh, when you're, you have... Um, you know, a crisis, a lot of the bureaucracy goes out of the way and decisions are made faster. And frankly, relationships, good and bad, um, are established, grafted, and, um, you know, they, they exist. And I was blessed to be uh, part of this team. And frankly, the global remote made us all pull together faster and quicker because things happen faster and quicker. Indeed, uh, But it was tough. Yeah. I mean, and we went to, uh, I think I told you this before, then we had to make some tough decisions around ensuring we hope for the best and plan for the worst, basically. Yeah, I love that quote. So we, we did a global salary reduction, um, across the board. Uh, and that was a very challenging decision to make and stakeholder, but we did it. And, um, we were very transparent with our people and, you know, that actually helped build the relationships with the executive staff of explaining the whys. But Indeed. it has been an interesting six months, that's for sure. To say the least. And uh, when we were talking earlier, uh, I said to you that when you write your book, I want, I want one of the first copies signed yeah. because it's going to be an amazing story when you do sit down and, and catch your breath and, uh, and do that. Because when we were talking, you, you know, I made a note that you said you'd come in to sort of help with a people transformation while honoring a 20-year heritage and and you know do some amazing stuff around uh you know advancing the already successful uh, inclusion diversity yeah. initiatives and a range of things but but all of a sudden then you know your shift with regard to just the pandemic alone let alone other challenges you had was like you know as you said employee safety uh you had a whole bunch of new challenges working remotely uh, and i think one of the big things that anybody and i'm sure you know, convolt is not unique in this is that always on challenge that you know we uh, when people had to go from sort of either work from home if they were able to or uh, remaining on the front lines, as they say there in the U.S., uh, sort of, you know, just whether you're in healthcare or retail or whatever the case may be, um, there was no off button. And uh, talking to a lot of people now, this has been a real challenge for them. And I imagine this is something you faced as well, is that is that, that difference between, you know, my, my commute now is sort of walking down the hallway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and that's about the length of it. Um, so there's a whole bunch of that. But then also, when we're talking earlier, I made some notes around some of the other challenges I imagine that popped up with, you know, uh, school, uh, homeschooling, uh, childcare, yeah. that whole sort of flexibility challenge of, of, 
of taking care of yourself while doing all of that, and particularly as a, as a parent or, or certainly as a mum. Uh, you know, so that whole challenge of staying fo- focused on work things versus, you know, personal life. And then also, I guess, in your case, you know, the juggle between your own team and then the broader ecosystem of your partners, integrators, resellers and customers. I mean, that what an amazing heady challenge. The fact that you stayed sane um, is, is a testament to you personally and professionally, but also just, I guess, as you said, the, the team around you. Um, yeah. the, I can only imagine where that went to. Uh, and I guess, you know, the key now for us is kind of figure out how we get to the, the next big phase, isn't it? Sort of, I mean, I guess we've been through that flattening the curve and we've been through that whole business continuity and disaster recovery piece going out of it. Now we've got to figure out how to come back in. Um, yeah. What does I, that I look like? Also, yeah, to me, the focus needs to be not on holding tight and hanging on until things go back to whatever they were but rather start painting the picture to what the future looks like um, in a relevant, um, clear, not, you know, candy coated way and what resources we'll provide. And then also how we all need to um, rethink what maybe even good looks like a good day um, is different now Right. And so I think now a couple of things that we did that uh, now I look back, I go and frankly, a great. And we have an amazing uh, corporate communications team on um, uh, Patrick uh, Cooley and, and Miranda Foster. Great. And uh, we started a communication that allowed for some form of consistency and predictability with for our employees, which is actually really important because. A couple of things I think that are going to be really important is to have some sense of something that I can rely on and um, a predictable, repeatable thing, whatever that looks like. Right. And that's an important piece. And then opening up to options versus rules. Historically, HR people, me included, not proud of this. We're really, really good at creating policy. We're, we really suck at providing options, and, um, and that can be a challenge. And frankly, predictability is hard because we don't really know what the next 90 days or 120 you know, yeah. days are going to look like. We've said already that we don't – so employees could have predictability, Des. We said, listen, nobody – the earliest we're ever going to come back into an office where it will be somewhat official will be June of 2021. There's tons of people who really want to come back. We know that. Yeah. Uh, but frankly, opening up broadly at this point, I just believe is unsafe. And the second we think it's safe, then something else comes up. Wasn't the news people wanted, but then you can plan. You can plan for childcare. You can plan for, you can make your setup in your office a little less um, semi-permanent, if you will. And make some decisions to commit to this is how I'm going to be working as opposed to waiting for when this is going to end. And I actually believe that that's helping folks to um, thrive and not just survive. So that's been a really important piece of, of anchoring to creating the new environment. And um, thinking about new ways of working and new ways of um, engaging our communities. And frankly, people care about different things today. Before COVID, the unemployment rate was roughly 
at least in the U.S. and in other areas of the globe, even lower, you know, four or three percent. It's a very different world now. And it's not because necessarily the unemployment rate as much as people care about families have come together. They're, we're all living under the same roof. You're caring about different things. You know, people have pets, new pets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, blended families. So we're doing a lot more with um, podcasts of our own around how can you um, be resilient with, you know, children homeschooling while you're trying to get on the Internet to do other things. There are tools, resources that um, that are available and we've provided. We're even expanding where our own employees are providing some online virtual training and tutoring um, to other uh, students around the globe. And it's just resourceful and opening that up and engaging a resourcefulness that that would have been, you know, taken a year to launch in an old world. And now it's like a day and a half. Oh, I want a tutor. I know math. You know math. Put people together and go forth and do it. 30 minutes. I love it. And it gives, you know, somebody a chance to go be on a call while somebody else is helping their child with math. I would be on the call. I would not be the one helping with math because they would not get it right. <laughs> well, you know, when we think about I mean, that whole emergence of, of, of the COVID-19 pandemic and some of the challenges that brought with it, when we think of Convolt as an organization, I mean, it's a global company and you would have seen yep. COVID-19 emerge from day one when it appeared sort of, you know, from China uh, as, as a region uh, and made its way through Southeast Asia and then Australia and New Zealand and then EMEA and the UK and then and then the Americas and so forth. And, and, you know, we've covered a number of those key challenges. But when we think about some of those fundamental elements, uh, I'd love to just quickly delve into a few of them because you've mentioned a, a couple of them. I mean, as you said, you remove all the barriers, you go through your business continuity plan, you look at all the disaster recovery things, which which your organization's globally famous for being a world leader in, in data management and all the other things around that. So you would have been uh, uh, better prepared than most in many ways. But then even, uh, even then, that would have presented a whole bunch of new uh, never- considered before yes. issues because, you know, no one plans for this. But I guess, as you said with technology before, um, you know, if there's a time that a global pandemic would be best dealt with, it's certainly uh, this era rather than 1918, for example. Um, exactly. But, you know, I imagine you mentioned before, like you've had increased communication. So you've had to set up, you know, various channels of, of ways to communicate as well as I think you mentioned before, better ways of listening as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we, do, we actually need to do a better job. We've done a lot more talking at but we've done, um, created some really interesting platforms and we're blessed to have, first of all, Sanjay's our CEO and he is, um, a working CEO that was a CIO, um, understands the needs and passions and immediately came forth with the need to build partnerships, um, with our, um, partners and our employees, um, be super clear and transparent and know that um, we're going to be here for the long run as we're working through this together and have empathy as part of our foundation, which you don't usually hear a CEO talk about empathy, but um, he did, does, and will continue. Right. And from that, we launched a thing called Courageous Conversations where we're, we have a platform. It's live. It's non-scripted where we have conversations on things like what is it like to be black in America? What is it like to be um, uh, a gay or lesbian in America or in the globe? 
what is it like to be black not in America? And do you care about that? I mean, those are things that yeah. we really are having these really um, thoughtful discussions. And um, because, and it opened a dialogue. And our view is you got to have the conversation to change the conversation. I like that. And historically, we haven't had the conversation. So to me, Sanjay's brought that forth to be vulnerable enough, to be courageous enough, to put ourselves out there as a, as a team. And you're uncomfortable, but frankly, it's time we're a little less comfortable in our oh, glass houses, right? So that's always, where we are. Yeah. I always have this image of like, a, you know, there's a, that famous uh, line that goes that, you know, you look at a duck and you think it's all calm, but underneath the water, it's little feet are kicking away crazy, just trying to stay in place. And uh, I think we sort of had that veneer of, you know, what I'd call the Instagram unreality of, of glossiness when companies looked at where they were. But in reality, it was all kinds of challenges internally. This has kind of ripped that whole uh, veneer off and, and the world, uh, whether it's Commonwealth or other companies, have now had to, to face a range of things, not just with a pandemic, but also, you know, the whole Black Lives Matters movement and a whole range of really big things that in their own right would have tipped up the apple cart. Now we've got them all in one thing. But you've done some amazing things in the middle of that. Uh, I mean, I remember making notes that you introduced a whole bunch of new programs, one in particular, a Young Coding Challenge. You've got a um, yes. bunch of weekend activities around. Uh, and I love this one, Virtual Storytime with, uh, I think you had uh, so fun. Chris talk about his every, uh, yeah. South Pole trip. Um, yes. whole, I mean, tell me a bit more about those because they sound amazing. Sure. Well, you know, we right during all of this, uh, and, and first of all, you're absolutely right. Our our employees in China and in in, in Italy were um, dealing with this far before the March time period, and uh, and candidly, Sanjay, you know, um, lived through the SARS um, uh, epidemic, and so I think we had a bit of a head start of of going. You know, right. We need to make sure we ready this and. Then we came across bring your children to work day, I think is in April. And it's, it's, well, what are we going to do? And when your kids are already there because you're at home, <laughs> I was like, oh, do we really need to do this? And we said, yeah. So what we did was we started again with the executive team and we videotaped them with their favorite book and we, they read it on live on video and we did story times and it sounds like a simple thing, but those are these little pieces that having this time to say, okay, what's the story this week? And, and so we have that now curated as part of our um, engaging our families piece. And then we did a coding challenge with the, um, the children and the friends of friends of Commvault family wow. to really engage communities um, in a virtual way. And then awarded the, I mean, it's amazing. I got to tell you, these kids are unbelievable. And we partnered with Junior Achievement on that, uh, again, all in a virtual way and hosted and actually had the, the children do the interviews with uh, their parents on uh, what is it like to work at Commvault. And that was really fun. And those are all these little things that just take a little elbow grease. What's really interesting, Des, is that historically I would have been um, probably over rotated to making sure everything was perfect and, um, you know, uh, ready. Yeah, yeah. And now my tolerance for imperfection, beautiful imperfection is much higher <clears throat> because it's really focused on what the need is and yeah, not yeah. how things look. 
And I actually think that's potentially a, a silver lining in this. Can't agree with you more. No, it's a you know, it's one of those things where one of my throwaway lines through life has always been that uh, done beats perfect. And if there that's was, as point. you said, if, if there was anything that we were going to take away from this year, we all want to forget. It's it's that rehumanizing, and and just getting stuff done for, as opposed to you know make work, just get it done. I love that idea. I can I can only imagine though that through the team. Uh, and, and we love Chris, your CMO, but uh, people would be cursing and going, no one can beat Uncle Chris in his South Pole story. Curses. Because <laughs> that's just, you know, I had the pleasure of having him on the show some time ago and we talked about it and I was, oh. I was so amazed. I was just like, at one point I said, sorry, I just tuned out and listened to you as if I was on my own show as a listener because that's just the most phenomenal anecdote I've ever heard of. I'm so envious. But uh, yeah, I well, and I wasn't know. here when he actually really did go to the South Pole, so I thought he was making it all up. And so when he put his full gear on, I thought, oh, my gosh, he actually did go to the South Pole. And he's an amazing, amazing oh, person. It's mind-boggling. And it's really some of the reasons why we are um, partnering so profoundly with um, uh, the United Nations and, and business ventures and mm. and engaging what I would call more mid-tier companies and not just waiting for the Googles and the Facebooks to come from an environmental, social, and governance perspective. But no, we can harness the capacity of, of companies with, you know, fewer than 3,000 people to do amazing and great things. And look, your CMO is at the South Pole. And yes, we absolutely are playing a huge role in ensuring that we... Um, um, do everything we can to leave this world a better place. You can quite literally say that your team are going to the ends of the world to help out. <laughs> you got it. Now, you uh, you also mentioned something when we were talking earlier off air that you had done this amazing thing around this Convault Cares program you set up. And apparently, and I'd love to get some insight into this, you, you said you kept your cafe open to provide meals for local organizations and first responders. Tell us a bit about that. Yes, yeah, so... First of all, it's not my Commonwealth Cares. I come, I live on the, you know, this is, this is, I'm taking advantage of, of, of giants, literal giants who have been part of uh, this community for 20 years of Commonwealth and blessed to be part of it. An area where historically was more of a um, Tintin Falls approach with Commonwealth Cares, and now it went global. And uh, we had um, employees gen- actually create digital masks, like digital, digitized masks and distribute them um, when masks and um, um, were um, um, shorts, right. uh, you know, weren't, weren't available. And then there were immediately employees just started to send this guy money so he could create um, these masks for first responders. And um, from, wow. from that, we, when we went to uh, our, People weren't coming into our larger facilities in New Jersey for for several months. We actually kept that cafeteria open and just redeployed the um, the great talent and provided food to a local hospital to make sure that the first responders there were being cared for, as well as a, a local domestic violence shelter and and, a, and one. Area And the reason for domestic violence is so important as people are sheltering in place. Uh, I'm very nervous and very concerned. And we need to talk about this more, especially with children not going to school and, and home and staying at home. The increase in domestic violence and domestic abuse has, is catastrophic. So our importance of supporting 
those shelters are key. So we did provide the food and, and just meals, you know, from time to time. Um, it kept the cafeteria um, open for a bit of time that is important um, when there wasn't anybody coming into our large headquarters and did something nice for the community. And, you know, it's a pretty humble culture, so it's not a pat ourselves on the back. It's the right thing to do. And it's what happens when there's a crisis and we're just solving problems and not asking permission. I think it's an amazing initiative, and, and, and I'm sure that a number of organizations, even now at this stage in the journey, are going to look to this after they hear this conversation and think, well, we can do something of similar uh, ilk and, and, and get on board with that. And you had a great quote when we were talking the other day, which I'll get you to reference. Yeah, this stopped me in my tracks. I was listening um, uh, to Brene Brown, and she was quoted, misquoted, as she said, um, in the following, we will go, we will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was not normal other than we normalized greed, inequity, exhaustion, depletion, extraction, disconnection, confusion, rage, hoarding, hate, and lack. We should not long to return, my friend. We are being given the opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all of humanity and nature. And and it's actually attributed to an author, Sonia Renee Taylor. And what I think is so so incredibly important here is one, um, his prior to this and now, stress was at an epidemic level. Suicide was up, and as I said, domestic violence increasing. But people have gone, you know, quiet here. So I think that this is an opportunity, and the per- people and the leaders that are in charge of the people function um, that. Um, do that, you know, on behalf of and make the the rest of the leaders sing by just providing um, resources and platforms to enable your people are in an, a once in a lifetime shot. And we can't miss it. It's sort of like the CFO in 2008 time period. It's our time to shine and thrive and not just hunker down. And so the question is, what will we create? Will we create an environment where we focus less on greed and more on caring? Um, Will we focus a bit more on unplugging than always being plugged in? Exhaustion versus um, mental well-being. Uh, How do we clear the clutter? How do we clarify message and not just throw more at people? So I think we do have an opportunity and um, the story's not yet done love to get some insight in kind of what sorts of things you went through to kind of, you know, what sort of success factors you saw come out of, out of that journey of, well, how do we now support our ecosystem of partners and resellers and integrators? What can we do with our part, our customers? And some of the key takeaways you could share from that, because I can imagine that living and breathing this whole experience 24-7, you've, you've just done some astounding things to, to drive that outcome. Yeah, well, Des, listen, we have had to make difficult decisions um, and that have impacted employees. We've done this um, to provide um, as much flexibility as possible. We actually introduced a voluntary reduction program, which allowed people to um, engage and perhaps think about departing um, on their own terms um, with a with a value and a benefit that allowed them to, um, again, thrive and not just survive. So we're looking for options, not rules. Same thing. And again, I attribute this to our CEO, Sanjay, uh, he was very clear that this is our time we lean in and we support our um, 
partners. Um, we don't have a vendor mentality, but we have a partner mentality and we engage people, um, before they ask, we engage people on just really frankly checking in and, uh, be, as he would say, radically, um, simple and flexible because that will win in the long run. So, you know, I think that it's that framework and approach to not just the technology, but the relationship we have with our customers, as well as the relationship we have with our employees that will allow us to not just get through this, but have a sustainable business after and when. Yeah. Um, and frankly, but leave the communities we are in better than when we got them. And so something we've been talking a lot about is simple things, assume positive intent. Things can get misinterpreted in email. It's everybody's on edge. You don't know the world somebody's living in that very day. Same with our customers as well. So assuming that giving people the benefit of the doubt are things that sound simple, but are not easy. And it starts with Sanjay's leadership shadow. And it starts with, um, we have these products for our customers that are delivering incredible value. We need to be flexible and provide this at scale. And that's how we're going to win. What does an ideal world look like in your mind uh, post-2020? If I truly had that crystal ball, uh, perhaps <laughs> I'd be doing something different. But I, uh, I think it's this. What we need to do is unpack the work and focus on the fundamental simple task of product creation. So you create, you sell, you deliver, you serve, you engage, and perhaps, you know, upgrade, renew, or retire the product. And what we as an organization, and I think we as a candidly a human race need to do is unpack that what really that's a, that's a, a, a yeah. prescriptive way of saying, say, focusing on what, what no really, really matters. And then be ruthless when we address every motion in that and simplify literally everything. And you simplify product creation like you do. We simplify our family interactions and focus on what matters as opposed to what we think the external work matters. It's the same thing from a business perspective. And rather than looking at silos or functions or roles within a house, if we unpack, create, sell, serve, engage, we will find huge amounts of opportunity to focus on the things that matter, which is the relationships with our customers, it's the relationships with our family members. It's the relationships with our neighbors. Focus on the value and the relevance. And then, candidly, I think the most important piece, which is to stop the noise and be able to deliver a wonderful, simple transaction or a peaceful home. So I see these two pieces intertwined. I see the world of work. Um, not just coexisting because people are at home, but the world of work, 
unifying together because the children are now radically part of it. We can't unravel this. We now all know what our children look like, our dogs look like, things that we hid before. We now are almost, we proudly present the dog that is misbehaving. (laughs) We have the child bouncing on our knee. Those are things before we never would have done. And now what do we do with that? Do we take that and bottle it back up? Or do we take this and look at a ways to focus on what matters, which is our customers, our families, and our relevance as a community and as companies? And we'll see. Indeed. No, I think the, you're absolutely right. This uh, genie is out of the bottle. It will never be put back in the bottle now. I think that uh, in, in recent generations, we might have attempted that with things like the GFC experience and other things. But there's no putting this genie back in the bottle, as you said. And uh, uh, I do like the idea of getting back to the fundamentals, you know, as you said, unbundling this whole challenge and looking at what needs to be done versus what do we want, what we sort of emotively want to do and, and polish it up. And I guess and just many, little micro steps, of, yeah. micro steps of that, you know, it's, it's easy to say these big, oh, focus on what really matters or, you know, calm, be, you know, we need to spend less time, you know, listening to the news, all these big platitudes yeah. that we hear. All right, fine. You know, I also need to, you know, eat less sweets, but right now, you know, <laughs> no. <laughs> and, 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 and that's where we just need to support each other. And maybe it's a micro step. Maybe it's, um, it's, you know, drinking an extra glass of water in the morning. I'll tell you something, Des, we did, we were piloting something called Thrive Global here. And it's been really interesting because it's just focusing on these teeny tiny little baby micro steps that each of us can do every single day in order to change our habits. Um, and not massive changes, but just little changes every day. And if we do that every single minute of every single day and we focus on that gratitude, you know, worlds can change. The question is, will we? That's the question. Yeah. It, uh, I always have this mental image when we sort of talk about grand ideas that come down to little things in this and that once upon a time, every tiny grain of sand on every beach, on every piece of this uh, planet's surface around the world was part of a big rock and that got ground down to a grain of sand. And over time, it will eventually become part of a big rock again. And we need to work out mm. where we are on that journey. I guess in many ways, when we sort of look at some of those broader things that you're doing, you're in essence focused on that whole future of work that people talk about, but you're actually doing that right now and you're having to figure out what that actually means in this new context. I wonder if I can ask you one last question before we wrap up. If you're looking going forward, if you're going to offer even just a, you know one piece of advice to your peers in similar industry or market segments, as it were, who like you are now having to look towards sort of you know the next 12 to 18 months and, and, and what it means to, to ease into 2021 and beyond, if you were to sort of think about one key piece of advice to offer those sort of, you know, your, your community as whole and various industries, what would that be like if you did a little bit of crystal ball gazing? I think the biggest thing is, and what I've learned is that the fuel of the future I thought was actually data and digitization, but I actually believe the fuel of the future is relevance is what you're doing relevant to the person that you're talking with, the customer you're talking with, And will it matter? And relevance will determine your longevity. Really questioning, are you relevant? I think that is um, probably the biggest lesson I have learned um, is focusing on relevance and not focusing on necessarily um, 
process. Wow, that's that's probably one of the most breathtaking one-liners I've had. The fuel of the future is relevance. That's brilliant. Well, what an amazing note to wrap up on. Martha, it's been fantastic to spend an hour with you. I can only imagine what the next 12 to 18 months is going to, going to hold, and, and I can't wait to have you back on the show to, to unbundle what that might look like. But in the meantime, I hope you stay safe. Uh, congratulations on an amazing uh, year through 2020 and, and all the things you've had to deal with. And uh, hopefully at some point you manage to get a bit of time out to kind of unpack and unwind that yourself and catch a bit of air and uh, rehumanize. But in the meantime, uh, thank you again so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, we'll look forward to having you back on the show again soon. Thanks a bunch. 